Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 154. I'm your host, Derek Moore. Today, let's talk about our stocks re-rating, are the valuations re-rating? There's been some talk about that on with some people on CNBC. Kind of get into that, a little bit about earnings. And then why the shape of the yield curve matters. Why is it that everybody's watching this compression in bond yields? Why does it matter? What does it mean? And what is the Fed potentially going to do to uh, really maybe cause problems in the yield curve? We'll see. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is year to date, the S&P is down, at least on a, a price basis, about a little over 6%. The, the NASDAQ 100 is down a little more, does not include dividends. But one of the things we saw last year and we continue to see this year is multiple growth shrinking. What does that mean? Well, to give you an example, in 2021, the S&P, just the price, not the total return, but just the price, uh, was plus 26.9%. All right, so then you get dividends on top of that. And when stocks, a lot of people look at P-E ratios and whether that's the right metric or not, there's some debate about that. But it's price to earnings. And so in 2021, earnings grew on the S&P 34.5%. All else equal, you would say, well, if the P-E ratio at the end of 2020 stayed constant, and earnings grew at 34.5%, you would expect the price of the S&P to be up 34.5%. It wasn't. It was only up 26.9%. And the reason why that is is because multiple growth was negative 7.6% for 2021. So there was multiple, uh, I would say, a a re-rating that went on in 2021. All of the growth was really due to earnings growth. And so let me just take a second to just explain what it is I'm talking about here. So let's say we have earnings of $10 per share in the S&P. And the let's say the S&P was, let's not even call it the S&P, stock XYZ, doesn't matter what it is. Your earnings are $10 and the price of XYZ which is a fake stock, don't go trying to buy that. At least I hope it's, it, I believe it's still, ABC and XYZ, I believe are fake stocks, right? They're just, they're not fake. They're just, I'm using that symbol. It's not a real symbol. So XYZ is earnings at $10. The price is $100. It's price to earnings, 100 divided by 10 is 10. So it has a PE ratio of 10. That's the multiple, the multiple that the market is putting on that stock. So let's say that earnings go to $20. If the PE stays at 10, meaning multiple of 10, price would go to 200. But let's say price remains at 100, but now earnings are $20. Well, your multiple is now only five. Your PE shrunk from 10 PE to to five PE. And so earnings can grow, earnings can recede, but your multiple can expand or contract. 
And that's why in 2021, earnings increased 34.5%. The multiple growth was negative, negative 7.6%. And you wind up with a price return of 26.9%. That's kind of what we're seeing this year as well. Although the, the multiple growth has been, uh, you know, last year I said it was minus 7.6%. Believe it or not, year to date, it's negative 7.6%. And by year to date, we are, I think these numbers I have are as of February 3rd. So, so far this year, we've had earnings growth of 1.5% on the S&P. We've had multiple growth, negative 7.6%. S&P price return, negative 6.1%. Again, I think this is data as of the third, so it uh, does not include, uh, one, two, three, yeah, I guess it does include Friday. So yeah, year to date, we're seeing a continuation of, of multiples contracting, meaning the, the multiple the market is willing to, to pay on stocks is falling, just like it did in 2021. And so when people are on CNBC are talking about, well, the market's re-rating stocks, what it's doing is it's saying the market is not willing to pay as much for earnings. And so therefore, prices are coming down. Because earnings growth, I know, you know, Facebook was a big miss. Google was a, a make on earnings, I think on both the top and the bottom line. Amazon, uh, I think they met on the top line, but but beat on the bottom line. So we're still seeing earnings grow. How much they grow? I mean, the the earnings season for Q1, which of course is Q4 of 2021, they're reporting in Q1. It's not over yet, so that remains to be seen. Earnings estimates on the S and P 500 have come down a little bit, uh, but I believe they are still. If we look at uh, the consensus forecast, the consensus for 2022 is still around, you know, $223. And Q1 was $59.89. So consensus estimates have come down. I think they were a little bit above at the end of let's say uh, 2021 estimates are above 225. I think now the estimates are a little bit, what did I say? Uh, about 223.78 is the consensus estimate. So I bring this up because there are, you know, look, I mean, stocks are going to go where stocks go and price is still a function of buyers and sellers, supply and demand, uh, the momentum that's in the market, and all of these types of things. But the multiple that people are willing to pay and the earnings are a, you know, they're, they're sort of the inputs on the output, which is price. So another thing too, and then I'll kind of transition to talking about the, the yield curve and why that's so important and why a lot of people are, are watching that right now is, look, I mean, the, the, uh, the S&P 500 after this, this drawdown year to date, the forward PE is now 19.74. And I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, you know, I like to use the JP Morgan Guide to the Markets. A lot of good data there. But 
the the forward PE was I think it was above twenty three. I don't know if I don't think it got to twenty four, but I think it was close to twenty three. And of course, forward PEs are what's the price over, you know, divided by the analyst estimates for the next four quarters. And so forward earnings per share or forward PEs have come down as prices have come down. And as people have said, there is a re-rating in stock. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting that uh, numbers don't always line up like that. But I thought, thought it was fascinating for full year 2021, you had multiple growth of negative 7.6 and, and year to date, we've actually got uh, uh, negative 7.6 multiple growth as well, meaning the market is not willing to pay as much for earnings as, um, as they did. Okay, so this is something to keep an eye on. And valuations, I mean, look, a lot of people do intrinsic valuation, discounted cash flow valuation. Uh, there are analysts who look at everything on companies and they're trying to, to understand what the earnings are going to come in at, not only on, on the uh, uh, individual company level, but also on the aggregate level, things like the S&P 500. So this is something to watch. And um, I think knowing, having a little insight is important. All right, so let's cover, let's go over to the, the yield curve and why the, the yield curve matters and maybe a little bit about what the Fed's entanglement in this is going to be. So first, what is the yield curve? I know a lot of you listening are like, all right, let's move on already. Let's get to the, the meat of this, why it matters. But real quickly, the yield curve is just, if you were going to plot on a graph from left to right, the shortest, datus, uh, shortest dated, let's say, U.S. Treasuries, and you can do this for German bonds, JGBs, Japan uh, 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 bonds, or you know any other bonds. But let's just go with Treasuries for now. If you're going to plot from left to right on a graph, and all the way to the left is the shortest maturity, so it might be a, a U.S. one-month Treasury uh, note or bill, or, you know, um, or you go all the way out to, to 10s, 20s, 30s, uh, you know, treasury bonds. So if we look at the yield curve, and I should say the, the shortest end of the yield curve, meaning the stuff that has the shortest to time to maturity, that's the, the part of the curve that the Fed has the most impact on. Because if they raise rates to, you know, let's say they raise rates at the March meeting to 5%, the Fed funds rate. Well, the one-month treasury, the the six-month treasury, the one-year treasury, all those should at least be 5%. On the longer end of the curve, though, that's a little more about supply and demand and the market expectations. And yes, the Fed does have a balance sheet, and they theoretically could do open market operations, meaning going and selling bonds or buying bonds, and of course they've been buying bonds every month, and they continue to buy bonds even this month. Uh, I think they b believe they've signaled they're going to end the the bond purchases in March. Doesn't mean they're necessarily going to sell things off the balance sheet, but so we look at the state of the yield curve right now. It's it's starting to get pretty flat, and what do I mean by that? What I mean is if you look now the 
you know, one years or 88 basis points, so which is 0.88%. So one basis point would be 0.01% yield. So we say a basis point, that's that. If it goes up 10 basis points, let's say it was 0.01, it would go to 0.11, okay? So 88 basis points is the one-year treasury. And then if we go up, twos are now uh, above 1.3, 1.316. You look at fives, fives are 1.773, tens are 1.916. And when you think about this, so if you look at, let's say, the tens, which are 1.196, and then you look at the fives, which are 1.773, when we talk about the, the yield curve, getting flat, it means the difference between, let's say, the fives and tens or the, or the twos and, and thirties or twos and tens, they are getting closer together in yield, meaning the difference. Right now, there's only 14 basis points and change between tens and fives. And what that means is, uh, and twos are 1.316. And so let, let's just think about tens and twos, 1.916 minus 1.316 is 60 basis points. So you could buy a bond for two years and get 1.316% annualized. And assuming the federal government doesn't go bankrupt and default, uh, there'd be other issues. If they ever did that, there'd, there'd be a whole other issues. But uh, that's what you'd get on an annualized basis. You buy a fresh bond for a thousand bucks, priced at a hundred, and you get your 1.316% annualized over the next two years. Okay, so you could buy a 10-year bond, same thing, fresh new bond, 1000 bucks, cost you, priced at 100 get you 1.196%. And so for an additional eight years committing to this bond, you only get an additional 0.6% annual interest. And the further you go out, as we've talked about before in this program, the further you go out in duration and bonds, uh, in maturity, and especially with very low rates right now, your duration, i.e. your sensitivity to interest rates goes up. And so the, the term premium, I guess we'll call it, as some people in the Fed like to, to refer to the uh, different parts of the yield curve, there's, there's not much extra juice going further out. So... Our yield curve right now is is pretty compact, and I hope that that explains that. So, why does it matter? Well, there's there's first of all, there's a little bit of a joke. Uh, I forget what exactly the the joke was, but uh, the yield curve has predicted uh, I think 15 of the last 10 recessions or something like that. And the yield curve is, um, you know, people people really watch it. Because the thought is that it's a really good predictor of recessions. And it sort of inverts. When it inverts, it means the short end of the curve, those rates are higher than the back end of the curve. And we're flat right now. We're not inverted. Uh, we are not inverted. Uh, we, we did invert uh, in 2019. Short end went over the, the long end. There's some debate about, okay, is that really... Did that really predict a recession? Because who know who really knew about COVID? But anyway, and so a normal yield curve slopes up, left to right, 
you have an upward sloping yield curve. And the idea is that, you know, if you're going to lend money out, when you buy a bond, you're essentially lending money, you're going to get paid more. And, you know, that that's just the normal way that things are normally set up. And historically, what's happened is when when the perception is that you're going to have a slowdown or or the economy actually starts to slow, uh, we see yields on, let's say, 10 and 30-year bonds. The, the 20 is out there too, although they had stopped issuing 20s for a while. So um, there's not that much, um, you know, actually 20s and 30s are actually inverted right now, 2.277 versus 2.213. But uh, I'll, I'll set the 20s aside for now for um, some technical reasons. But you you would see 10s and 30s. You would expect those to to come down and you would expect to see the shorter maturities come up to meet them or actually exceed them. But longer and longer term, like 10s and 30s, are good proxies for investors' view on the economy. And, and if you think about the economy is really going to grow, you would expect those yields to, to come up. And so the flattening of the yield curve can be a little bit of a recessionary signal. And inversion, as I said, if it goes to you know downward sloping where the front end is is uh, higher than the back end, that inversion, you know, I mean, people will say it's it's uh, come before every recession over the last you know hundred years or something like that. So, so why is that? Well, one is has to do with inflation expectations, and so. Currently, right now, uh, five-year break-evens and break-even rates on, we look at that, it's if you were going to buy, let's say, a nominal treasury versus a TIPS bond, treasury inflation-protected security, with a five-year maturity, uh, break-even rate is the, the rate that you're sort of indifferent, meaning it doesn't matter if you buy the nominal bond or you buy the TIPS bond. But... Five-year five year forward rates, break-even rates, are below the five-year break-even rate, meaning investors think inflation is going to be higher in the next five years than years five through 10. I know it's a little bit convoluted, but I'll try and uh, link to an episode we did where you actually explain this quite a bit. And so part of this is, in my opinion, is uh, investors' expectations on inflation. And so inflation is perceived or the uh, the indications are that people think inflation is going to be higher in the near term lower in the long term and so that's that's one of the the aspects of this and what's a little bit curious now is that it it's sort of I'm always careful to use the it's different this time um, but the the reason why I think about it's a little bit different this time is the speed at which our markets corrected in in February and twenty, uh, February and March of twenty? You know, it's essentially a two month recession. That was it. Uh, if you look at the the NBER, so the the National Bureau of Economic Research, they have a history of recessions, and I'll post a, a link to this. It's a great resource. It looks at uh, all the the business cycle reference dates going back to I think eighteen fifty four. And they look at peak to trough and things like that. Uh, we were two months, two months uh, 
February of 20 and then to April of 20. So think about that. Peak to trough, only two months of the contraction. That was it. To give you a little perspective, December 07 to January of 09 was 18 months. And, you know, March of 2001, eight months. July of 90 was eight months. July of 81, 16 months. Uh, I was just looking back and I don't see a shorter recession ever. At least back to 1857, uh, before 1857. I'll just have to take, uh, uh, you know, take it. <laughs> I'm not going to, I don't know if there's much research uh, before then. So that there was a lot of speed there. And I think one of the thoughts now is, and, and there's no, I'm not saying we're going to have a recession or not, but uh, the speed of this, the recovery, has it sped up this cycle? In other words, is the Fed going to enter a rate tightening cycle later in an economic expansion? I know it sounds weird to think, you know, because we only, if, if you look at the NBER, NBER's numbers in, in April of 20, we've only had, I mean, it's, it's not that long of an expansion. Remember, we were over 10 years between uh, the last recession and this one. And that was, you know, that was really a long time. So anyway, that's one of the questions too, is the, the Fed is sort of, we have inflation. Uh, we've got, you know, I think the last report was year over year about 7%, although the monthly rate of change has been slowing. So this idea that we, we do have inflation, expectations are that inflation will, uh, or at least the rate of change will slow down. And because remember, we, we always have over the long term, we have inflation. And I think it's, it's often lost on people. The idea that if inflation comes back down, it doesn't mean we don't have any inflation. It just means the rate of change goes from maybe a 7% year over year back to a, uh, a more normal, you know, 2% or something like that. But this idea that we are later in the cycle, uh, even though it doesn't seem like it's been that long. Uh, we're later in the cycle and that the longer term expectations as evidenced by the the yields in the bond market not ri rising and the curve flattening, uh, it, a lot of people are pointing to the fact that the bond market is saying they don't believe in this, uh, in, in, you know, things are going to just keep booming and, and we're not going to slow down. So that's why that's one of the things that people look at. And normally in a normal sort of, you know, economic environment and recovery, you would expect yields on the long end to, to move higher. You would expect the, the curve to steepen. And that would be an indication that as the economy keeps heating up and heating up, that expectations for longer term inflation on the back end are higher or economic activity is the expectation is it's going to continue to accelerate. So I hope that I've sort of, ex there's a lot there to, uh, to think about. And, you know, to give you an example, in, in 2009, January of 2009, you know, I mean, the, the front end of the curve to, um, you know, out to, to 30 was pretty steep. It was very steep. And that seemed to preface, uh, you know, an indication that the, the bond market thought that 
the economy was going to continue to expand. Um, and in hindsight, we know that it did. In January of 06, the curve was really, really flat. Uh, we know that in December of 18, the Fed did a, a raise of the Fed funds rate. And I think they actually inverted the curve when they 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 uh, raise or rose. I don't know which one is right. Well, when they actually uh, hiked interest rates, there we go. I'll, I'll use the word hiked. They they inverted the curve a little bit. So this is something to to watch. And in the Fed minutes, they actually talked about how they are watching the shape of the yield curve. The minutes, of course, were the December meeting that was released in January. And they made reference to the idea of being aware that, you know, of the shape of the yield curve. And so if you think about this, and Goldman Sachs came out, was it Goldman Sachs or was it Bank of America? Uh, I should have I looked this up. Um, but I think one of them, let me just uh, double check real quick because I want to get this right. Yeah, it was, it was Bank of America. And I think the quote was, we now look for 725 basis, that's you know quarter point every time, uh, hikes this year, and a peak Fed funds rate of 2.75 to 3%. And basically there's, so what is there? Is there eight meetings left? I think there's, I think there might be seven meetings left. I think there could be seven meetings left. Um, but anyway, they're, they're saying they essentially hike at every every meeting. And, you know, think about that. When you have a 10-year bond that's under 2%, and if you're going to do seven rate hikes, seven rate hikes is 1.75. That goes to, you know, 2%. Um, so it would be 1.75 to 2% would be the, the reference range for uh, the Fed funds rate. And you have the long bond, long bond meaning the 30-year bond, just over 2%. You have 10 years under 2%. So, you know, we started out talking about how the market is re-rating. And again, they were re-rating last year on the multiple uh, side. They're, they're re-rating this year on the multiple side. The, the, the amount that people are willing to pay, i.e. for, you know, theoretically for stocks, it has continued to go down. All of the, the growth in the S&P has been due to earnings growth. And the decline in the S&P this year is due to investors, quote unquote, or institutions not being willing to pay as much for, for earnings. And so those that do fundamental analysis and intrinsic valuation, the discount rate, uh, both, you know, I mean, the cost of money matters. And part of this is if, if you think the Fed is going to really raise rates, then that goes into the equation of what the future earnings are worth as you pull them back to the present value. And on a, you know, doing a, a terminal growth analysis on stocks, if you say, you know, I, I know the earnings are going to be this, this, and this for the next three or four years, then I'm going to put the company into a, a terminal growth rate. That that discount rate that's used in that mechanism uh, does impact what the present value of future earnings is. So anyway, 
I don't want to get too off track here and, and take you down uh, a path, but um, so what should you watch here? Well, the, the Federal Reserve has, uh, uh, not the Federal Reserve, the, the U.S. Treasury uh, has a site. I'll put a link to it where you can see the different yields. Um, actually, you know what? I'll just put uh, CNBC has a, you know what? This one's going to be easier. CNBC has a, a U.S. Treasury uh, yield page on their on their site. And you can just go there and you can take a look at the different yields. And I would be watching those yields and seeing if they compress, meaning if they get tighter, the, the curve flattens more, or if they start to expand. And then I'll be very interested to see what happens with the Fed funds rate at the March meeting. Now, there's some people are saying they're going to hike 50 basis points. So far, the probabilities don't favor that. Uh, the probabilities based upon the CME, the Chicago Merc Mercantile Exchange, they have a prob Fed probability uh, tool. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I've done that before. The March contract to the Fed funds future is now indicating about an 85% probability of a quarter point hike. So we'd go from zero to 25 range to 25 to 50 and only a 14.3% probability of 50 to 75 basis points. Now, quick note on this, of course, these change. These are very sensitive. A week ago, there was a 91% probability, 91.5 versus today, 85.7. A month ago, there was only a 68% probability of a quarter point rise, right? Um, so these are sensitive. And I think at this point, based upon the probabilities, if they were to ra raise 50 basis points, that would definitely surprise the market. But there is no meeting in February. There is a meeting in March. And, you know, it's uh, that's going to be around March 16th. So 38 days from from now. If my, uh, my Actually, I'm cheating. There's a, <laughs> there's a countdown to the FOMC meeting ticker or clock on the CME FedWatch tool. So I'll be honest there. I was looking at that. 38 days, 23 hours, 17 minutes, and 35 seconds from now. Uh, Derek, D-E-R-E-K dot Moore, M-O-O-R-E at Zega Financial. That's Z is in Zebra, E is in Eddie, G is in George, A is in Apple. Financial is up to you. Dot com. Uh, if you want to send in comments or suggestions for episodes, a lot of times the episodes I do are from listeners' suggestions. And I've, I've had some questions on the, the uh, shape of the yield curve. So, and again, the offer still stands. If we ever get a, a listener from Gibraltar, I will autograph a book and send it out to that listener. But alas, we have not uh, had a listener yet, at least according to, to what I see. All right, we're going to leave it there. And, but take a look at this yield curve stuff. It, it sort of matters when it matters. And I think it's, um, the bond market gives you a lot of clues. You know, the bond, there's, uh, I think it was somebody told me that the stock market is dumb money. I'm sort of paraphrasing and the bond market is smart money. And the bond market is really, if you look at that and you look at the shape of the curve, you look at yields, they're telling you what their perception is of the economy and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, we're almost through earnings season, so we'll continue to watch that there. And I'll continue to watch this this multiple 
Um, kind of, you know, a lot of people always talk about how much PEs are and how much the multiple is. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of, I remember years when people said, well, all this growth is just multiple expansion, meaning people are willing to, you know, jack up the PEs higher, pay more for the same earnings. Not been the case last year, not been the case year to date. So, all right, we will leave it there. We'll be back next week. I think we'll have uh, uh, my semi-permanent co-host, Jay Pestricelli, with me, not in studio, but in, uh, in the podcast. So we'll look forward to that. Have a great week. <laughs>